brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before and all who will come after. J-Ma. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, McLean McGowan. It is an honor to be walking this path alongside all of you as we move through our journeys as women and mothers, especially through this portal of awakening that we find ourselves in right now. So I commend you for continuing to show up in all your glory and all your challenges, but just we're showing up, we're doing this together. And I do believe that this is a time of really feeling and seeing so many veils being lifted. And it is extremely uncomfortable on all the levels, personally, collectively, globally, communally. And it's time for it. So as I've been saying and will continue to say, please rest. It looks like the astrology for July is super intense possibly even more so than June, and June was a pretty wild month. So um, just something to be aware of, not fearful of, but just be aware of the time for self-care, true self-care, honoring your soul, honoring your voice, honoring your heart, nourishing yourself with good foods and teas and sleep, and having some self-discipline in what you watch and what you listen to, and I urge you to not go down the rabbit holes of fear and fear-mongering. There's so many things in the media that are now, of course, coming out as lies. So don't trust, you know, don't trust the mainstream media. Um, and anything you read, you know, have a, a quizzical mind. Where, where's the dollar signs? Where's the money leading? Um, who's writing it? What's, what's the underlying voice? Um, this is a time to really, really connect with your intuition and your own highest knowledge. And that might make you unpopular to people, your friends, your family, um, people that you've always felt on the same page with. This is a real time of transitioning and reckoning. And a lot of relationships are um, changing. And that can feel really sad and overwhelming as well. So just you know, no real words of advice, just honoring all that is right now. And I know for myself, the things that are really helping me um, not only get through, but to actually elevate and ascend through this time is my spiritual practice above all else, meditation, prayer, intention, seeing the life I want to be living, the world I want to be living in, the world I want for my children and your children. And, you know, on this podcast, it's been an intention of mine to be a safe space, to be a sacred space, to be a container for all of you, to possibly question some things, but learn a lot of new things. And 
I definitely have held myself back from certain topics and not wanting to ostracize myself from people. And I do truly, truly um, only want to educate women and families from a place of peace and love. I do get fired up from time to time, as you all know. Um, but just please know that if you hear anything that I'm saying that doesn't resonate, that's great. It doesn't resonate with you. Um, we're, we're living in this cancel culture and this me against them or red versus blue. And what we're really finding is, um, that's a very old paradigm. That's, you know, the Piscean way. We're now in the Aquarian age and, um, letting people have their own self-sovereignty and their own thoughts and do their research. And also, you know what, just feel from their heart. Like, why isn't that enough? Why does everything have to be, you know, a scientific study? Why can't it just be enough that a mother has her intuition about her child and that should trump all, you know? So um, I'm so honored to have today's guest. Um, she's someone I look to for knowledge and education and just that sage advice. We have many topics um, in common right now. Her name is Rochelle Garcia Saliga of Innate Traditions. Many of you that are listening probably follow her. She's at Innate Traditions on Instagram. And she's a midwife and a doula and so much beyond that as well. And just such an advocate. And um, on her Instagram, this is <clears throat> a short little bio, which I love. It says, midwifing a cultural shift in honor of our innate wisdom, personal authority, and the sanctity of life. Right? I mean, yes, 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 yes. And that's really the underlying theme of this interview is coming back to our self-sovereignty as mothers and humans and women and how we've been taught to kind of question everything outside of us and we've lost so much power. And it all begins with each one of us awakening to the power that we hold and nurture that. And she has such a wealth of knowledge that, of course, we could not cover everything in one episode. So in the show notes, I have other three interviews that she's done on Medicine Stories, Amber Magnolia Hill's podcast, which I love. Please listen to that. And then also two episodes on Magamamas with Kimberly Ann Johnson, whom I also love. She's been on my podcast. I've been on hers. She was actually the first podcast interview I ever did. So um, thank you, Kimberly. And I urge you to listen to those because you really hear her backstory and her life's journey and her postpartum work. We actually didn't even talk too much about her postpartum work because um, I felt really called to speak to just the universal laws right now and the motherhood energy, which leaks into everything and is really the central focus of everything that I believe in. And you know, my own work as a postpartum doula, I'm so passionate about the postpartum time because I feel like that is my in. It's like that is the portal of awakening where I can really support women to empower themselves to waken up, you know, wake up into motherhood as they transition from maiden to mother. You know, the birth is the one portal and then the whole postpartum journey is a whole other portal. And then of course we have motherhood, which is an ongoing journey after journey after journey. 
But I really love working with my postpartum moms because that's when that deep awakening and change happens. And it is so beautiful and it is so powerful. And that's why I do what I do. So thank you so much. This is now episode 67. I can't believe it. Um, So thank you all for being such amazing support system for me. And I really do feel like this is a co-creation for all of us. Sending big love out to all of you today. Jayma. Hi. (laughs) Hi. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for saying yes and showing up. I've been wanting to have you on here for so long and you are such a guide. So thank you. Thank you for all that you share and do and are. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And before we press record, um, I was saying that you are just such a wealth of knowledge and an educator and a woman and a mother and the topics that you have brought forth and forward for us all to learn from could be, you know, at least five podcast episodes. So today is what it will be and what we both feel called to share in these times right now. And I will have in the show notes, all your episodes you've been on. Kimberly Johnson's Magamamas twice and Amber Mythic Medicine, whom I love, both of those women. And so that'll all be in the show notes. So for people that don't know your work, they can really dive deeper into that, um, to know all your trainings and all that you offer. Um, I wanted just to start with this quotation from you that I found um, from Amber's podcast. And I think this is a really beautiful starting point for our discussion today. It says, the dysfunction and disharmony within our human environment is manifesting through the vulnerable bodies of postpartum women. In fact, it is through the bodies of mothers that humanity is being alerted to the urgency of our collective need for change. Yes. I mean, never has that been a truer statement than right now. How do you feel like you are being called to show up in your work and your life right now through this awakening portal of time? Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, honestly, like my work hasn't had to change at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for a lot of people, they're like, how can I adapt my work to go through this? But I feel like I made my work for this time or my work is for this time or you know, whatever language we want to say to that, like, this is for this time. Um, So I don't actually feel like I had to make any alterations to my work to go through this time that we're living in. And if anything, I just feel like um, this time actually makes me feel more normal. Mm -hmm. And for some people that might sound weird, but I've been told my whole life that I'm crazy and you're too much and you're too deep and come to the surface and, you know, all the iterations of that. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. I mean, it's not (laughs) like, you know, I haven't like taken that on, you know, in my latest adult years, but now I'm like, okay, like I actually feel normal now, you know, before I felt like, well, maybe I am crazy. You know what I mean? Like maybe it is too much or, or why is it that I know these things and see these things and, and it's like, it's too much for other people, you know, so now I actually feel like it's more of a, I feel more normal, you know, and I feel like more clarity. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of people that might sound weird, because I know a lot of people are really spinning out right now, you know, and confused and disoriented, but I'm, it's like the opposite for me. 
so my work, I feel like is, is still the same. I just feel like maybe more people are hearing it now or can hear it or receive it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like so much of my work is, has been and is focused around us understanding that like these problems that we internalize as like ours or like it's some kind of deficiency of who we are or a problem of who we are or like, why can't I keep up with this or what's wrong with me, you know, for not being able to, or feeling like I'm drowning, especially for mothers. There's so much personalization of that. And my work has always been and is still um, that it's most often not about us as an individual. And it's to understand that us as individuals, as mothers we're the barometers for the dysfunction of um, humanity. And that sounds kind of awful, actually, when I say it like that. But the, the purpose of it is for us to like awake from the slumber that, that we're the problem and understand that the problem is a collective problem and, um, and that which manifests through us as mothers is meant to uh, inform us and educate us um, in terms of our participation in the waking up of humanity, you know, mm-hmm. so I feel like the same, the same it, it was, and it continues to be like that. You know, it's like this; these are collective problems. There's nothing wrong with mothers, you know. In general, like mothers' feelings are big indicators of um, dis-ease in her environment, you know. So. I feel like so much of my work when I was doing work with moms one-on-one was just to normalize things, you know, like a mom being like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel so depressed and anxious. And because I'm, I'm alone with my kids. And I was like, I think it's kind of normal that you feel like that. Like, why would you not, why would you feel good to be home alone by yourself with two kids every day, like 40 hours a week? Like, totally. That's not normal. You know, I think that's such an important Point. I mean, underline, underline, bold exclamation point. It's, you know, it's the society that is sick. It's not mothers. It's not having, um, you know, all the heightened feelings that you have in your first 40 days and on, you know, it's really, I mean, as a postpartum doula, that's all. Most of my job is just normalizing the feelings that women are having. And it's such a broken system. And I do think that going through this portal of time that there is a change. I'm really seeing it. It's, it's kind of like going back to basics, right? And we realize the things we worried about in our busyness was just such bullshit. And it's really deconstructing mm-hmm. that. And a lot of people's minds are just having a hard time with that. But I do think there is so much appreciation for um, being with our kids more and homeschooling and taking on that challenge. And really, why do I want to work for 10 hours a day? You know, or, you know, looking at the things that we just took for granted or, were familiar to us. So we thought that they were right and healthy and worth striving for. Um, but I love that it's so important to use the feelings of mother and the mental health of mothers as the guiding post. I mean, that's what it is from mother earth to literal physical mothers. And it's just when, when women awaken to that, it's, it's just so crazy. Cause you're like, how did this happen? Like how did every male, especially white male and power right now realize, you know, or forget that they came from a mother that had all of these needs. Like it, none of it makes any sense. So I'm just praying for the 
the breakthroughs to come during this time mm-hmm. as we're in this pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling? I mean, do you feel like there's change in the mothers you're talking to, or do you feel like um, there's a lot being stirred up with a lot, not a lot of healing or how, how are you feeling the pulse right now? I guess I feel like in general, the collective, like I do feel like we're in a time of healing and I do feel like this is a time of ascension. And I do feel like we're, we're paving a way towards um, a beautiful earth. Like I do feel those things happening. And at the same time, I, I feel like there's such a large part of the collective that's still, um, there's so much fear and there's so much, um, panic in the collective. And while I don't think fear is always an unhealthy thing, you know, um, I feel like there's a lot of, um, fear and resignation of our, our power. That's what I'm tracking in a lot of people. And, and that is what can bring up fear in me. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I went to the grocery store yesterday and we like, we have this like natural foods market in the town where we live. And they had like taped this yellow line on the floor, like next to the meat counter and there's a woman in like full mask and gloves. Okay. And that's like a whole other thing that, you know, we can go to or not, but she's like full mask and gloves. And she's standing behind the line and she puts an order in for her meat. Right. And then they like put the meat up on the counter for you to take it. And through her mask with her gloves, she says, can I step forward to get my meat? And I was like, Oh my God, like it brought up so much anger in me because I was like, lady, if you're asking permission to pick up with your own two hands that God gave you something that you just ordered, what can be done to you? Mm-hmm. You know, like how can you be so um, manipulated to think that you need to ask permission to extend your own hand for something that you asked for? And so, so when I see things like that, I'm just like, holy shit. (laughs) And so when I see things like that, I'm like, we, like there is a big time collective problem, you know, and Mm -hmm. simultaneous to that, like, yes, like we are moving towards um, a healed reality, but I guess more how I see it is like, and I want to write. I have this blog article I've been wanting to write in all of the free time that I don't have, but it's like a bifurcation of the human race, right? Is what I see happening. And bifurcation means splitting in two. And, you know, one, one part of this bifurcation is leading to what is being called transhumanism, which is people who will become part machine. And it's people who are going away from, uh, nature's order. Okay. And then there's people who are aligning ourselves with nature and, um, nature's laws, you know? So it's really like two different species that are being forged right now, or let's say, um, like there's a branch happening, right? Those of us who are going to continue to align with our human design, like the original blueprint of humanity, and those who are jumping on the bandwagon of relinquishing their personal authority and their own free will and thinking that everybody else knows what's better for themselves and their health and their life except for them because how could they possibly know? Yeah. So 
that's how I see what's going on. I cannot agree with you more. And it really does feel that way. Even people that you kind of like, I can see the inner fighting, you know, cause it's almost like if you, if you, for some certain people, if they want to go back to like the, the nature and coming back to themselves, they have to then realize that most of the decisions they made for their entire life have been mm-hmm. outsourcing and not yeah. trusting their own sovereign power. And some people are not going to handle that and they're not going to do it. And so it's, oh, yeah. it is going to be really an interesting division of the tribe to see like, and maybe we just have to coexist or we're in our own villages where it's just like you do you, I do me. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting situation. Shakedown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like that's such, you know, that's kind of like the theme that holds all of this is our self-sovereignty and where and how did we give it away so many you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And, and now, you know, we do it in little microwaves every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk somewhat about the, what we've been through in California this past year with the medical freedom and the mandated vaccines. And, you know, that was such a battle cry for so many mothers. And as, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. says, it's just total misogyny to not even look these women in the eyes that have injured children, you know, it's like, where, where else do we, do we do that? We don't, it's, it's on this specific topic, but it's coming from a place of we've given our power over. And for a lot of us, I mean, myself included, I didn't step into that kind of power until I became a mother. And, you know, when I had my first daughter, it was like, okay, that was round one. I'm like, okay, made into mother. I'm a new person now. I have, I'm a mama bear. I'm ready to fight for things that I didn't even know existed before. And with my second kid, six years later, it was like, okay, this is like 2.0 now. Mm-hmm. Um, also stepping into my forties, which, you know, changes things mm-hmm. <laughs> for the better. But um, anyway, I think it's just, it's, that's the stuff that really keeps me up at night and scares me is these, these ways that we relinquish our power. And it's, it literally just makes you want to shake people. Um, and then mm-hmm. also acknowledging where I've done it myself mm-hmm. um, and, and being called crazy, you know, by a lot of people. I mean, a lot of us that feel like we are awakening right now have lost family members and friends and colleagues because of our changes in the narrative of what we believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. And I think that like, you know, because my work, like the training that I teach is centered with um, working with healthcare providers, right? And so birth and healthcare providers from around the world. And I would say that just in like mentorship stuff with them, what I track and find is that the biggest reason why individuals like don't um, speak what they really feel or even like in their practices that they develop, right? So whatever it is, a physical therapist or a doula or a mental health counselor, whatever their thing is, like they keep themselves in these little boxes and don't actually do what they know they need to do because of fear. And the fear, um, I feel like needs to be like contextualized for people to understand it, that like, no matter what lineage we belong to, it's like the fear is cellular. Um, and the fear is because the ways that all of our respective ancestors have been attacked, right, over the past several thousand years for speaking truth, for 
um, aligning with life principles, for going against the church. I mean, whatever. And everybody's family has people like this. I don't care where people are from, you know. And if anybody digs in, around enough in their family, um, they would find these stories, you know. And so I feel that in order to to access, not not just access, but like utilize our inherent our innate power. We have to uh, do healing work around our respective ancestral traumas. doesn't mean like, I don't believe that we need to go like digging and looking for shit. Like that's not so much that, but like to acknowledge that no matter what our lineage is, there's ancestral traumas. And so all the ways that we feel like we have to tone it down or we have to hide, or I should have said this, or, you know, all those ways that we're not actually expressing what we feel, what we think, what we see. Um, there's conditioning in there that's not just from um, our lifetime experience, but it's from the lived experiences of people behind us, you know? And I don't think that there's actually an end to it. I think it's like an onion and you peel that back and you're like, okay, I've worked through that. And then now I'm here and I'm good. And then you're like, oh, like this other big layer will come up. Um, But I feel like there's that. And then there's also this piece of like um, people wanting to be liked and people wanting to belong. And so there's like a fear of if I differentiate myself from these people, I won't belong to this group anymore. Who will I be and who are my people? Um, But I guess how I think about it for myself is that like when it's time for me to die, like I know what's going to be most important is that I did what I came here to do. And not like how many people I pleased in my lifetime, you know? Mm. And so I kind of feel like that's a simple template to come back to. Like when students ask me about those kinds of things, I'm like, when you're on your deathbed, do you think you're really going to give a shit about how many people um, you liked you or were your friends? Okay. Or do you gonna, are you going to feel like, a deep peace because you fulfilled your purposeful work in incarnating to planet earth to begin with. And I feel most people would say the latter, you know? Um, so yeah, here we are as here we are this juncture as humanity. And I feel like for adults, it's like, um, adults need to like mature, you know, most adults, have gotten old without ever maturing. And so you have like 40 and 50 year olds, like adult bodies with the mentality of 13 year olds. And so I just feel like now's the time to actually like assume the responsibility of what it means to be an adult. Like most adults are not freaking adults. So yeah. Hmm. So many good things to glean from that. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because when I feel very called to specific topics that I haven't experienced personally in this lifetime, it does really feel like it's in, it's in my bones, even though I may not have experienced that. So I'm sure it's in my lineage, especially the matriarchal mm-hmm. line, you know? So it is such an opportunity as these veils are being lifted to really look at what fires you up. What do you want to mm-hmm. speak to? What, what can you not really hold in and then mm-hmm. having the courage to actually speak up about it, mm-hmm. um, which is challenging. It's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. What do you, are there 
tools or can it be simply kind of like a meditation if people have never really done that work of looking at their healing of ancestry, you know, line, how, how would you recommend people start with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like it's so multi-layered of how, how that could go across, but I'll just give an, like a personal example um, that I feel like will help people to understand like their own patterning. But like, I didn't really uh, like express myself until I was 20, year old, 20 years old. It wasn't that I was a mute, like I talked, you know, but I didn't really ever tell anybody like what I actually saw or what I felt or what I thought. Um, and, and I was in this process always, you know, of like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I not share this? Why do I, you know, like a lot of self-judgment as to like why I didn't speak. And then when I was 20, I had this group of friends and, you know, like started to actually express myself. And it was this whole thing of like coming out, you know, <laughs> like coming out in a different kind of way. And, and really, but it was like these slow pieces of coming out, right? So if someone would have told me when I was 20, oh, you're going to be teaching to hundreds of people or I would be like, yeah, right. Like there's no way because I hardly even spoke, you know? And, and I was really like that um, until maybe I was like 35, around there, 34, 35. And that's like when this body of work, like I created it and then, then I was going to teach it, right? And it was this, such a weird process for me because like it was so well received from the beginning. Like the first time I ever taught a class, I had 30 students, you know? And it was just like that. And, and then the response to it, and I was, I was like, whoa, it was just really surprising to me. And I was still really like self-judging myself, you know, of like, why have I not spoken my whole life? Why have I not expressed? Why? And maybe when I was like 36, 37, I was still in that train of thought. And I have a cousin who um, does like a lot of genealogy research and what I had already known was my grandma, like when my grandma died in my early 20s, my dad's mom, um, we knew always that she had two brothers, you know? And like right before she died, all of a sudden it came out, she had two sisters. And we're like, like not even my dad knew. And we're like, what do you mean you had two sisters? Where are they? Right? And she's like, oh, we can't talk about it you know, can't talk about it. And so anyways, my cousin went digging around. So my grandma, right? So my dad was born in the 40s. I think my grandma was born in like 1918, somewhere around there. So she had two brothers and two sisters, right? My great grandparents had immigrated from Eastern Europe. They lived in a small town in Northern Minnesota. Where, where, where did these two sisters go? So what my cousin found was that they were institutionalized, like in a mental institution. Oh, wow. And and so we knew that for a little bit and we're like, well, what were they institutionalized for, both of them? And he found like they actually only recently died, like they died in the past few years. They both lived to be almost a hundred in institutions. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they probably had lobotomies and all kinds of testing, you know, they were anyways, but he found the actual papers for their intake right, of the psychiatric place. And the person who signed the psychiatric forms to admit or to, you know, to make them go in there was the freaking, um, I don't even know the right term, like whoever the person is of the Catholic church in the local community, the father, 
he's the one who signed their rights to them away. So then we can say, well, why did my great grandmother allow that? Right. Um, what is the hell is that all about? You know, so he signed them. She, she and my great grandpa obviously gave their permission and there they were. No one ever talked about them for their whole life. And so when I understood that, like it all came to me like on a cellular level that I actually feel like it was so wise for me to not actually express myself until I was 20 years old because I felt like it was some kind of transmission from them of don't express yourself until the time is right, right? Don't, don't, um, don't do these things until you're in a safe place to do them because that's true too. It's not like everybody needs to express everything you see all the time on social media. Like it's totally. actually not safe. It's not safe. And when I got that, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually really grateful. So like all of those years of judging myself, like what's wrong with me? I'm like, what's wrong? Huh? It was like, oh, wow, I'm so grateful to my soul and to that transmission that came to me through my family line of do not express yourself until you're in a safe place and a safe way to do so. So I think that for everybody, it's just to pay attention to like, what are the tendencies, right? Like, what is the habituated way of thinking about things um, and like that or self-judging and then see if there's wisdom in there, you know, instead of seeing it as like some kind of deficiency or like what's wrong with me, it's like flipping the perspective and seeing it of how either has that been serving me, right? How, how has that been serving my life actually in a good way? Or how has that, um, how has it been serving me and now it's time to change or how is it still serving me like in a useful way, right? Instead of just seeing it as pathological, seeing it as something beneficial. Then everybody has stuff like that, you know? And you were listening to your nature. I mean, that was, that was what yeah. you, everything was telling you. That's, everything was telling uh, me, don't fucking speak, you know? Because my no. parents, they're not bad people, but like we're definitely not on the same mm -hmm. frequency. And they probably would have drugged me or institutionalized me only because they would have thought something was wrong with me or it was too much. It's too much for them. It's right. still, I'm still too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So that paradigm that they're used to judging. Yeah. Wow. I just got, I got chills to that story. I mean, it's, it's as if they were guiding you from the, the other side too, but yeah. it, it comes back. I mean, that's like the underlying point of all of this is to trust yourself, trust your body, trust mm -hmm. your mind, trust that intuition, that gut, which we've mm -hmm. gotten so separated from. And I do think that is the beauty of stepping into your power when you do become a mother, because all of a sudden you feel it for your, you know, most often you feel it mm -hmm. for your baby and then that charges you and then you get that strength and then you can bring it back to yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so powerful. Um, how old is, you have one daughter mm -hmm. and how old is she? going to be 10 in October. Oh, oh mine's going to be nine in October. Wow. Oh, little Libras. Mm -hmm. Um, how are you navigating being a mom right now? I mean, just personally, how are you, you know, holding the space for her and allowing her to have her own feelings. And I don't know what your, you know, your schooling life looks like or your life. Um, you're in New mm -hmm. Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been homeschooling. So like, not much changes. 
not much changes. We homeschool, we homestead. Like our life honestly hasn't hardly changed. Like the only way that it's changed is like when we go into town, it's like zombie land to us. So how it's changed is she says she does not ever want to go to town again, right? We live rurally. And so when we go to town and she sees people's behavior and feels the um, delusion of people, like she is so... um, bothered is an understatement. She is so um, bugged out by what she sees and what she's witnessing that she says she never wants to go to town again. So how our life has changed, you know, and some people can look at this through a lens of privilege and some people will look at this through the lens of like a very um, specifically curated life and maybe it's both, right? Um, but we go to town like once a week and, um, often now like my husband will do grocery shopping or in town stuff and like leave early in the morning to do it before people are out. Um, and like that. So how has our life changed and how is mothering for me? I don't feel like it's very different now, honestly, than it was before. We're really honest with our daughter about everything, you know? So it's not like she's confused or disoriented or whatever. Like she's clear. Um, and I feel like the challenges that we have are still the same now as they were before, which is the ridiculousness of the nuclear family setup. Um, that's always been draining and that's always been the hardest piece for me with motherhood is just like the constantness of it and and such the um stupidity of trying to do it even with two parents and I get for single parents it's even harder but like the constant the constant constantness of it like that's always the biggest challenge for me and I would say like most of the children we know out here, like literally we had one family send us a text, like our neighbors actually who live a three minute walk from us in this rural community where we live. And the text said, we wish you well. And they were pretty much like, bye, because they're just in permanent quarantine. And these are kids that they used to play together like every day. And so that's been really bizarre, like having to navigate that with her, you know, I mean, we're, we're honest, you know, with her in those conversations, but, um, and like, I, I find myself apologizing, like I'll say things to her often, like, you know, I'm going to apologize to you on part of this adult, right? Because they don't have the awareness to understand, um, how their actions are affecting other people. So even though they're not taking responsibility for this. I'm going to take partial responsibility for them to you so that you understand what's happening here. So I'll do that a lot and just apologize to her on behalf of the unconsciousness, the unawareness of adults who, who show up as adult forms, but who have the maturity again of a child um, for her to know like that's not normal. And she does not have to accept that, that level of relating, you know, Um, But what I will say, like, on the positive note is, like, we've been in this uh, desire to start our revillaging project for a while, and it is starting, you know, like, it's kind of shape-shifting in terms of how that's going to look. But starting next week, actually, there's a young woman who we've known for a few years. She's in her early 20s, and she's done, like, herbal classes with my daughter before, and she took my class, and she's been a friend for a while, and she's going to start living on the land with us. 
like she'll start living in a yurt. Yeah. And so I think for her, it feels good to have, you know, like kind of a family system. Cause I think for a lot of 20 year olds, especially women, it's like, it's such a fun time in a certain way, but it's also ungrounding to not Mm -hmm. have support and structure. And I know that she feels really good with my husband and I as like, you know, her adult support people. And my daughter really likes her. And so that will be helpful. I feel like to have another adult around, you know, and then we're looking at, we have a friend who's a single papa and him and his daughter, we hang out a lot. And so figuring out ways how to like incorporate them into living space too. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been elements that are so weird, you know, and where she's clear too, she's like not going to town. Like she's, she's would just rather go hang out with the chickens all day rather than humans, you know? I don't blame her. I feel the same way. Yeah. Touche. Me too. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm hiding out in Tennessee right now at my mom's house because it's a, I'm still in a city, but it's a lot less of a city than Los Angeles. And I just, I literally was like, I have to get my babies into some nature out of this crazy for a little bit. And so we drove cross country and it was, it was beautiful. So yeah, it's really weird times, but that sounds incredible. And every woman I know, every mom friend that I have in my life, we all want to live together. We all want to co-parent our kids together. I mean, it feels just so innately correct that that's what we should be doing. The way that we have it set up, it's like we're just setting ourselves up to fail through this time mm-hmm. in current society. It's really mind-boggling. Um, so I wanted just to speak a little bit to moms right now or pregnant mamas that are going into their postpartum time in whatever lockdown situation it looks like currently and or new moms also and how any words of wisdom you have for them as they go into this next chapter maybe more alone than they had anticipated. Maybe they had doulas that they had hired that now aren't able to come, et cetera, et cetera. Um, How can they really come back to their own power and empowerment uh, through this time? I mean, I think, you know, it's what it always is, which is like, you know, what's best for you um, more so than any quote unquote health expert. Mm -hmm. And whatever each individual's relationship is to what is happening on the planet right now, um, what is true is that social isolation is like maybe the most detrimental thing for our health compared to anything, compared to the food we eat, compared to said virus, compared to how much we exercise, you know, we know that strong social connections build a healthy immune system and strong social connections build a healthy immune system ultimately because um, they keep our nervous systems resilient, right? Instead of in a stress response, like a permanent stress response. So um, I say that it's most important to listen to what you need. And in order to listen to what you need, you have to get out of fear and you need to get into the needs of your body and your heart and the, the intelligence of your soul. 
and make decisions from that place, you know, including where to give birth, including how to be tended to in the postpartum period and all of it. Yeah. And I do feel like women that are birthing right now, it's just almost like a fast track into their warriorhood, you know, as a mom, mm-hmm. because they have to depend on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, you know, it's a blessing, but I also think that we will reconfigure new ways to support each other on a deeper, more meaningful way for free, you know, drop food by always have food. Um, And to end, because I know we need to wrap soon, I wanted to hear about your training and how you are offering that moving forward through this time and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the next round of my online training actually starts August 5th and registrations open through July 26th. And I mean, I've been doing the online training for a few years now, you know, and um, we meet once a week and it's about a six month training. It's like an 80 hour training. And I do all the classes live, like through Zoom, nothing's pre-recorded. And so we really form an incredible um, container mm-hmm. and it's for birth and healthcare providers and it's um, birth and healthcare providers from around the world. And it's just it's really amazing actually, you know, so we do classes, we do question and answer sessions. I pair every, I pair everyone up in co-counseling partnerships. And I try to do that based upon geographical reasons. So even though it's online, oftentimes women will be able to connect in their state or their country, their place. Cause I know who's coming in from where, even if others don't. Right. So there's co-counseling partnerships and um, yeah. And then, once people complete that training, like the certification process that they can choose if they want to go through or not. And though I will say it's also like, um, after taking the training and it opens up doorways to other things that I offer that I only offer to those who have gone through the training. So there's an advanced training I created that's online as well. And we're starting, um, an online it's like a mentorship circle. It's called circle of support, which is this understanding that especially for birth and healthcare providers in our respective communities, like we're often lone wolves, right? We're often um, forging paths and it's, it can be really lonely. And so there's this circle that we're creating so that we can all mutually support each other as we're going about doing this work on our own, like in our own places. Mm-hmm. So I love it. And it feels to me like the creation or the fortification, the participation in like the immune system of mother earth, you know, like we're all connected, even though we're all in these far locations Mm -hmm. from each other. So important, you know, as, especially as birth workers or caretakers, especially, you know, as mothers, we all are, but to have that support and just, that circle of women to, to know, even if we're not talking to them every day, that they're there and we can call on them whenever we need to. And then we can show up for each other. I mean, I think that that in and of itself, there's so much healing. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on as you know, the veils are being lifted and I don't want to go too deep into this topic, but just, you know, seeing more about the abuses of children, the abuses of women, girls, the sex trafficking that is rampant in this country. And, um, you have a young daughter. I have two young daughters. How, how can we protect them and then also protect 
other children and, and be, uh, you know, a safe haven. And, and one of the podcasts that I was listening to that you were on, I think it was, Amber remember, I think it was Amber's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you were really talking about how you're teaching your daughter and have been from such a young age, how to listen to her body, you know, paramount, like that's the top thing. And I think that's something that's really overlooked. That's something I've tried to do with my children since day one, even like diaper changing, talking through, you know, who is able to do that, who is not able to do that. Um, and just being aware of her body. And that goes to everything from like, you're full, you don't want to eat anymore, or you're thirsty, or no, I'm not thirsty, you know, just letting them have body sovereignty from a very young age. And that can be frustrating as a parent, too, because you're like, you need to eat, you need to stay hydrated, or whatever it is. But how do you create that ongoing container, right? Because they're, I mean, they're young, and so they're going to keep going through it. Um, How do we do that in a way that's not bringing body shame, or also not flooding them with fear? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't personally feel like there's a need to like talk to our daughter about like pedophiles and yeah. shit like that. Like we definitely don't talk to our nine-year-old daughter about that. Yeah. And I feel like that's totally unnecessary and not age appropriate personally. And I feel like um, for us, it really is that simple part of her always coming back to how she feels in her body and accepting the parts of that. And I feel like maybe I I talked about this on Amber's podcast, but accepting the parts that maybe are inconvenient, right? For me in that, right? Because we homeschool and there was this homeschool program that we're like, you should do this. And we know the dad who was guiding it. And I personally feel okay in my body with him. Um, And she's like, no way. And I like really wanted her because I was like, oh, then I'll have a couple free mornings a week, you know? And she's like, nope. mm-mm. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know? And so she's really clear with that. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's also having to be, accept the inconvenience of that, if we're going to call it like that as parents. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, like outside of like current news and, you know, what's going on, I just feel like if each individual is real with themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like, for both females and males in your partnerships and your friendships and the way that you know people. It's like how many of us as adults right now were brought up in healthy relationship to our sexual energy, like 1% of us maybe, you know, like there's shame, there's the trauma, there's the ridiculous kind of situations that our own parents exposed us to. So if we have not learned as adults how to be healthy with our own sexual energy and with our sexual beingness, what, what, what can we expect from other people in terms of their, I don't know if to say management, but their right relationship with their own sexual energy. So it's kind of like a simple thing to me. It's like we're living in a time of repair and we need to understand that most people are in an unhealthy way with their own sexual energy and with their own bodies and with, with their own power as individuals. So our responsibility as parents is to protect our children. So we need to be really mindful about what kind of situations we're going to put our children in and not give trust to people who have not gained trust first Mm -hmm. and foremost, you know, and and then just to be real that so much of the things that happen with children happen actually with people who are friends and family members. 
So we really need to like turn our intuitions back on as mothers and not feel bad or guilty when we say no. I mean, I've like heard stories from from mothers about their teenage children, right? Where they're like, I have this feeling that I shouldn't have let her go on this camping trip, but I didn't want her to get angry. And, you know, the mother of the teenage daughter who didn't want to start like a family tiff, let her daughter go on said camping trip. And the daughter had, you know, horrible violation. And so it's like, it's again comes back to needing to be okay with not being liked yeah. needing to be okay with people being pissed off at you um, for the name of protection and caretaking of life, which is our responsibility. Mm. So, I mean, that's what I feel like I can share on that briefly, you know, and just that part that um, we have to be congruent with what we're saying to children. So it's like, how do you feel in your body? It, it always matters. It's not like, oh, it matters now and now don't pay attention to it. No, it, it always it matters. Always matter. All circumstances, all situations, you know. So it's our congruency with that too that's going to support them or not. And our modeling, obviously, right, as, as mothers, especially as women, like how are we how are we respecting ourselves? How are we modeling self-respect? Because I feel like a pattern that I track with a lot of women doing is like, they don't respect me. He doesn't respect me. And it's all this constant finger pointing. And it's like, okay, yeah, true. And do you respect yourself? Do you honor yourself? Do you do these things for yourself? Because if we're not doing them for ourselves first and foremost, um, it's not going to ever be reflected back to us and the people in our environments. And that's the primary way that we're teaching our children girls and boys. I mean, yes, all of that. Like, I think that's a beautiful way to end. I mean, what more can be said? That's everything. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really showing up in our power and being, and being the guide and the model and Mm -hmm. allowing to not be the cool mom. I'm fully not going to be the cool mom. I'm like at peace with that. I'm like, yeah, no, you're not spending the night out. Sorry. We're not, not doing totally. that. No, like we don't let our daughter have sleepovers. I mean, not yeah. yet. Maybe like at some point in time, but I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's had friends sleep over here, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, thank you so much. I just, mm-hmm. you know, you are a vision of light through this time and before. And, you know, I always, I limit my, my views on Instagram, but I always look to your words and your inspiration and just thank you for being a guide for all of us and a sister on this walk. And it's just an honor to be able to have sat down and talk with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. I look forward to more. 